So we were just uh, discussing amongst ourselves that uh, it has been a great day so far with very interesting topics and great attendance. And uh, this is the last, but definitely not the least of the panels of the day. Actually, this is a panel on one of the most uh, interesting and critical topics, the uh, impact of technology on, on shipping, on uh, digitalization. So I would like to thank uh, all the uh, panelists for being with us. We have a great panel that is consisting of uh, uh, two ship owners who are, at the end of the day, the actual users of the technology on the ships, three classification societies who are providing guidance and support, and two technology providers. Uh, so this is a very comprehensive panel. And uh, I would like to thank uh, Erwin uh, from NSL, who is going to uh, moderate the panel. Uh, I, I would like to, to say that uh, it has been quite uh, a pleasant task to uh, coordinate um, uh, all these very important people and uh, all the diverging topics. So thank you, Erwin. Uh, and thank you to all of you for, for being with us. I will let Erwin now take over and introduce everybody. And again, thank you very much uh, from my side. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Nicholas, for your very kind words. Um, so we have here a panel with, um, with six um, panelists. So we have um, Mr. Konstantinos Gatsitolios, um, project develop leader for Greece, Cyprus and Malta for Bureau Veritas. Welcome, uh, Konstantinos. We have uh, Mr. Philip Hachisoteriou, um, uh, client relationship manager for Lloyd's Register. Hello. We have... Sorry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Um, we have uh, Mr. Peter Michael Haddad, uh, who is the uh, general manager at uh, One Ovation here in, um, in Limassol. We have Mr. Uh, Petros um, Achtaipis, CEO of Prevention at Sea. We have Ms. Um, Miguela Shenoni, Marine Digital Solution Manager at RINA, in, based in Athens. We have uh, Dr. Oleg Kalanin, uh, also my um, colleague at the uh, the board of the uh, Cyber Shipping Chamber here in Limassol, who is the managing director of uh, Softconflot Management Services uh, in Cyprus. So um, hereby, um, thank you all for participating. We have had some discussions among ourselves. I mean, how we're going to uh, um, to start with this panel. So I would like to um, um, start with questions because we have 50 minutes and we have a lot of things to discuss. So uh, I would like to start with um, Constantinus. Um, uh, um, the question is, how is digital technology transforming the traditional ways of performing classification, uh, cl classification surveys? Uh, thank you very much, Erwin, and good afternoon to everyone. Uh, it's a great pleasure for me to take part in Capital Link Cyprus Shipping Forum, and, and specifically this panel, which is more on the technology side. Uh, because indeed we're going through a digital transformation. Um, Industry 4 is changing shipping with uh, capabilities that we didn't have before, like uh, connected ships, uh, then the Internet of Things uh, with uh, access to even fully degraded systems. And maybe, at least to my opinion, the most important thing of all, the development of artificial intelligence. And uh, certainly class societies have, have an important role to play in this uh, digital transition because from one hand, uh, they need to adjust 
an operating mode uh, to facilitate it, but also on the other hand, they need to make sure that it's done without any compromise to the safety of the crew of the vessel. So going straight to your question regarding uh, classification surveys, indeed, uh, better connectivity has given us the opportunity to perform remote surveys, which became necessary during the pandemic. And I would say they kept the industry running by this way. Uh, and what we actually see one year and a half later is that remote surveys uh, are here to stay. Um, and for certain types of surveys, they can substitute well the surveyors' physical attendance uh, and by reducing also travel time and costs and even being more energy efficient in that respect. But going beyond remote surveys, today we have a possibility, for example, to deploy robots like drones, ROVs and crawlers uh, to, to, to inspect difficult uh, areas of the vessel, uh, like the upper parts of cargo holds and cargo tanks, cross decks and so on. Um, today, this is done with methods like staging, uh, using cherry pickers, rope access, uh, even rafting surveys, but these methods are more time consuming and are more prone uh, to human error and open to, to accidents. So recently uh, we performed a proof of concept on board the 12-year-old Supramax Balcaria, uh, simulating exactly uh, the requirements for a third intermediate survey, and we used a, a drone, a combination of a drone, crawler, and an ROV. Uh, and I was actually on board during this project. And uh, normally, uh, having also a surveyor's background, uh, to be honest, in the beginning, I was a bit uh, skeptical if uh, we could really achieve the same level of inspection qualities we have with the other traditional methods. Uh, but to be honest, I was surprised uh, positively uh, by the quality that we got back from the robots, so the images and the videos. And now thinking as a surveyor, and having all this kind of useful data at hand, you can focus more on doing your job at a safe distance and faster, uh, rather than worrying of how to climb uh, vertical ladders to, to complete your survey. Uh, this inspection was also uh, done afloat in a ballast condition. So we used the ROV for the overall inspection of the ballast tanks. In this way, we avoided the ballasting the tanks and using the ballast water treatment system. So basically, uh, we even ended up uh, with a more energy efficient inspection. But uh, going even a step further, we can also combine this kind of uh, inspection with robots, with AI technology uh, for the automatic um, uh, detection of corrosion and even structural defects. Uh, so we have developed such AI software that can be used to support the decision of a surveyor during an inspection. Of course, uh, this is not intended to, to substitute the judgment of the surveyor, but to help uh, for better and faster uh, decision-making. Now, lastly, apart from the hard structure, we can also take advantage of the ongoing digitalization of machinery systems, and we're able to shift towards more optimized inspections, like predictive inspections. Uh, because what happens in reality today is that the machinery survey system that we have is planned on a, uh, on a periodic basis and is prescriptive. So uh, ships come in for um, survey on predefined dates and surveyors use a prescriptive list that more or less um, remain the same throughout the life of the vessel. But this is not what is going on exactly on board the ship. 
because maintenance of CFCs is evolving from this kind of reactive um, maintenance to predictive maintenance, uh, basically on the back of condition monitoring developments, vibration monitoring, and so on. And so we can shift to condition-based maintenance and take uh, optimized uh, maintenance actions and avoid unnecessary downtime. And these CBM systems are also uh, fully online. So there, there was a discrepancy there. So from a class point of view, we're now evolving from a purely periodical survey scheme to a PMS survey uh, scheme for machinery equipment, taking also into account condition monitoring data uh, that can be done through an online platform with communication with the versus CMMS. So to sum up, uh, certainly digital transformation is, uh, is leading also to more advanced, uh, my opinion, more efficient, and uh, certainly safer ways to, to perform uh, traditional classification surveys. Okay, Constantine, uh, thank you very much. Um, I, I, I hope there will be a, a healthy discussion on, uh, on, on, on many of those new technologies. So let's move to uh, Michaela. Um, the, um, <clears throat> the question, Michaela, is um, how can new technologies help ship owners operate more efficiently, efficiently their fleets? And from your point of view, what are the key barriers in fleet digitalization and how is it possible to overcome uh, to overcome those. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Irene. I'm really glad to be here in this panel um, to discuss. So, of course, as Constantina said, of recent times with this pandemic and also with the new upcoming decarbonization rules, uh, we've, see, we've seen a boost of the digitalization transformation. So with this pandemic, every side of our life has actually been moved on a digital side. Almost everybody now is working on teams. We're doing conferences and panels remotely. And this new technology has actually helped us to continue our business and to be resilient. So in my opinion, all the technological improvements and developments should help in, face, in facing the upcoming challenges and regulation. So actually having the opportunity to stream the information from an asset which is traditionally far away from the management because of course we are uh, used to receive information from the ships only once a day for example through new reports but having the opportunity to expand and implement a relationship or sharing information between the ship and the shore side can increase the transparency and really improve how the ship are operated so, for example, I think about some uh, compliances issues that may raise connected to the onboard logbooks. So as Rina, we, we started from uh, a need of a customer who had big problems and big fees connected to electronic logbooks. And based on our experience, we had the opportunity to stream the information to, to shore, and this helps the company not only to keep always an eye and be aware of what, what's happening on board, but also on the crew side, uh, they're actually help, uh, happy to use uh, such tools that help them in the daily work that reduces the burden on board, and it actually creates a virtuous cycle between the onboard and the shore side, connecting them and having them working together in order to optimize 
the operations of a ship and actually achieve uh, a more efficient uh, fleet-wide uh, situation. So on the other end, I also have um, an example of a Cyprus-based uh, really important company. So we are working with MSC Cyprus with the first tool that we have developed, which started to be as a performance monitoring system. But now we are expanding it in order to cover the topics that come every day as uh, uh, challenges for the company. So for example, after the Sulfur Cup, we started monitoring and streaming information from scrubbers to shoresides. So having the opportunity to reproduce the system also on shoreside uh, gives the opportunity to be more proactive from the uh, company side, the shore side, in helping and identifying criticalities before, let's say, a bad event, a critical event, of course. So uh, this kind of tools should not be seen from the crew side only as a control of what they're doing, but really on something that can help them in operating the ship in the most efficient and to weigh and to reduce the burden that they have. Uh, from based on our experience and my experience, actually one of the first problems that come up with digitalizations and with uh, the streaming of information to ship to shore, uh, it's uh, the hardware situation on board and the age of the ship. Because of course, when you install a performance monitoring system, uh, you may need cabling, sensors, or also the PCs, the servers on board to be updated. So this uh, led RENA to move to a more hybrid situation where we can, uh, it's possible to actually use what is available, so the new reports, and to even extract some good information from uh, uh, that kind of reporting, of course, integrating it with different data sources. Uh, so as a classification society, uh, we have the opportunity to put together information from different stakeholders and actually create added value. Another barrier may be, uh, of course, the size of a company because um, having more efficiency in a, a wider number of ships, for example, for MSC Cyprus, now we have more than 200 installations of course, even a 1% um, done 200 times has a really big, very big impact. So depending also on the size of the company, uh, there may be a different, different digitalization journey. In general, in my opinion, it's in order to have more efficient operations, the basic is of course, to have the data. Without the information, it's not possible to optimize the processes. Uh, of course, it's needed to have the correct tools to analyze the information because on the other side, for some companies, we see that we have thousands of data. We have big data, but it's not easy to look at them in the correct way. So machine learning techniques uh, can help, for example. But at the end, the most important part is actually to, to choose the correct partner and to have a partner that can add knowledge and experience because my know-how in a company uh, may not be enough. So also as a classification societies, 
we are looking outside to uh, find the best partners to move in the next step of digitalizations ourselves. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Michela. Um, I hope that people have made some notes and later on we can ask some, um, some questions. So let's move to Philip. Um, so Philip, um, the question that we, uh, that, that, that we have prepared for you is, um, you know, the decade ahead will be transformational. Uh, shipping will um, shipping will harnesses digitalization and turns to net zero. What are the key ingredients to maritime to maritime digital journey, and how innovative technology can lead to a sophisticated class regime and services in the future? Okay, well, thank you, Erwin, and uh, good afternoon, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here as well. Um, well, we, we already have systems harnessing data, and, and that is it's great for individual system maintenance, um, rela which relates to predictive maintenance. A few of us have touched on it already. Um, but I wanted to focus uh, a little bit on sort of the concept of an all-inclusive approach of digitization, which we believe is a key ingredient. And, and this is sort of the importance of combined data analytics, which essentially brings I mean, it means bringing together systems and platforms um, to offer a more holistic analytic and uh, insight about the vessel's overall performance. And that can be applied in more than just the maintenance field, but with the objective to improve the, the overall efficiency uh, for a vessel, which obviously then reduces its OPEX and carbon footprint. Um, we've launched, uh, we've partnered with uh, LR Insights um, and and this, this platform basically brings together multiple systems uh, onto one platform to reveal unique uh, interrelationships between these systems. I think that's going to be key going forward. Um, now, another thing is digital health management. Um, DHM is a term that we are using in LR to describe digital technologies and systems that are used to gather data and insights on an asset's health, um, which incorporates basically digital twin technology. As you've probably heard, a digital twin is a dynamic digital representation of a physical piece of equipment or asset used in a business environment. Um, and this you know, fundamentally helps operators improve aspects of their operational performance and maintenance regimes through uh, the insights generated by the twins uh, as part of this digital health management. An example of this is our recent approval in principle um, to provide structural health management of independent gas containment uh, tanks using digital twin technology. This approval um, sets the manufacturer on a path to become a DHM provider uh, to the maritime industry, whereby they can offer their customers the possibility to operate and maintain their ship's type B gas containment tanks in an optimal cost-effective way, uh, whilst at the same time complying with classification and regulatory uh, and statutory requirements. Um, the aim is, for this individual case actually, is to, to um, develop a complete structural DHM system for LNG uh, fuel type B tanks 
which will be fitted on the first uh, dual fueled ultra large container ships currently under construction. And this will assure structural integrity and safety in operation, uh, as well as enhance the ship's operation and compliance performance. And I'll just give another example on this because this is all sort of, you know, coming together in the last, um, in the last year or two. There's another uh, Chinese shipyard which has received approval in principle from LR for its VLGC digital ship design, um, which is the first of its kind in China. And the digital VLGC has an integrated data acquisition and processing platform. And it's basically equipped with multiple systems, which ultimately give the crew at, uh, on board the ship and onshore personnel the data to make effective and safe operational maintenance decisions um, whilst in operation. And these are all tools which can help ship owners improve overall vessel performance in a safe manner, um, reducing their energy consumption and ultimately simplifying ship management, uh, which I think is important because obviously, you know, as we keep developing all these new technologies and you know, there's a bombardment of, of, of new acronyms and new, new exciting things. It just seems like it's an increase in, in everyone's um, sort of workload on board. Uh, Michaela mentioned that as well. But I think the ultimate goal and what we should be looking forward to doing is, is simplifying things. And I'd like to finish on a note that to do that, ultimately, um, we as a maritime industry need to begin building trust around technology. And of course, part of our role as a classification society is to provide that assurance with digital, with a digital compliance framework. Um, and that's one of the focuses from, from LR and why we've launched a maritime performance services hub in South Europe based in, in Athens uh, to support our local clients in this digitization uh, journey. Thank you. Okay, uh, thank you very much, uh, Philip. So, Oleg, um, I would like to um, I would like to ask you. I mean, what is the latest um, on the S on the soft conflict um, in terms of um, digital transformation after and also in combination with what we have discussed now, uh, what we have heard now from um, from the class societies. Yeah, Erwin, thank you very much. As mentioned already many times after COVID outbreak, most companies were forced to further embrace digitalization to maintain daily operation. So we doing in such way, but ability to access bridge systems and other shipboard equipment uh, had been implemented prior to the pandemic of MSCF fleet. Uh, but we continue with injection of operation technology governments tool being in progress across the fleet with a view of controlling uh, like uh, vibration monitoring, time charter party parameters improvement, bunker lifting module, fuel consumption optimization, propulsion, and onboard equipment uh, usage. Our main target is to be able to have direct online overview of vessels key operating parameters such as navigation, cargo sequence, propeller sleep, machinery, vessel performance, power with speed analysis and the various trends uh, of vessel performance. And uh, it's already disclosed and we will discuss further, of course, 
we know advantages of such system. That's possibility to retrieve on 24-7 basis online data from ship sensors, ability to check vessels, key performance data from anywhere with internet access, provide quickly and accurate data, life and historical, benchmark vessels on same baselines data, not relying on human input data, allow creation of custom dashboard according to user's need, and enhance transparency with our customer, which is so important nowadays to be working so closely with Charter and uh, we're going surely to the situation when together with Charter we monitor vessel performance. Uh, all of us, we know various supplier tools uh, which is available on the market. Uh, I just to mention couple of them, but of course it's much more the, uh, available, but in particular we have project with IB, Force, Marorca, Kuma, Nautical Lab, Greenstream. And uh, we're busy with uh, further upgrade of the systems on board, further testing of products. Um, yeah, I will stop on that stage and maybe I will have chance to go more a bit later during our discussion. Thank you. Okay, Oleg, thank you very much. Um, so then I want to um, move to uh, Peter Michael. So um, what do you believe, Peter, are the uh, more important elements in, to enhance digital transformation in the maritime industry? Yeah, so thanks, Erwin, and thanks for Capital Link and all the participants. It's a pleasure being on the panel. Um, yeah, so digital transformation, uh, shipping is actually in the advanced stages of digital transformation. It's relatively new, so there's quite a few elements. But a, a few of them that I think are worth mentioning on this panel is uh, one being uh, planning and provisioning. So we've got this paradigm shift in the industry. And I'm not saying technology is shipping these days, but it's a massive element of it. So we have to, organizations have to adapt to this, uh, to this new uh, mentality. You've got a multi-million dollar asset, which is a very long-term asset, which is meeting the most rapid changing industry in the world. So you have to plan for that and you have to change mindsets. And it's extremely important for organizations to, to accept this and to, start, uh, and to start taking action immediately. I'll give you a, a little example of a not, not maritime based, but one of the leading technology companies 10 years ago was planning five years ahead. They still do that planning uh, today, it's six months ahead but they also do planning twice a day. I'm not saying we're gonna do planning twice a day in shipping, but that's just to give you the extreme scenario of where digital transformation is today in other industries. So it's essential for, for, for the organization and for the crew and for everybody involved to, to understand that you need to shift to another level in order to uh, maintain this sort of uh, technology change. Um, it's also about, the business operations and the physical asset itself. Ship owners, shipyards, they're constantly trying to understand how can I provision this vessel to be, to be technology ready, to be technology provisioned so that I don't, I can hopefully have my vessel in the next two years provisioned when it's built, a new build, to be able to accommodate all the technologies that are coming and changing. You're not gonna get it right. You're not gonna plan it for the next five years because we don't know where it's gonna go but you're certainly going to have to try 
And this is where the ship builders themselves are actually researching so much and trying to give so much advice into, okay, this is what you need to do. For example, a small example of, of not such new tech is the server room. The communications and server room is one of the biggest uh, planning things now with the cabling coming to the center and everything. So this provision, this planning is essential because you want your vessel to be able to adopt technologies. You're not, you can always apply new technologies to an existing vessel, but you know, that brings up the re return on investment question is, is it going to be worth it? Do I do it or do I scrap, scrap it and go, go for a new vessel? So you want to know, like uh, Oleg said, you want to know in real time what's happening. You need that infrastructure and you need to plan for that as well. So another element, which I think is equally as important is connectivity. We all know connectivity is the backbone of the digital transformation for a vessel, uh, always online. The data needs to go to the data center. It needs a connection to do that, especially if it's real time, it needs more than one connection. So connectivity is where our group is focusing a lot on and the value that comes around it. It's not just about just getting a, a, a really big bandwidth. Don't get a 15 meg connection. It's about having that redundancy because that 15 megabit connection can just drop off because the satellite or the lander station, it's raining somewhere. So you need to have that redundancy. Maybe for your long journeys, yes, you can have a multi-satcom, but also think of different technologies. When your vessel comes into port, 5G, it's one of the biggest things now. It's being used so much more than we ever expected because remote maintenance has been such a big deal and not just through COVID in general. So you always really, you think to yourself, okay, 5G has become one of the most uh, cost-saving uh, technologies that you can put on today because you can do this remote maintenance. And when you have that 5G connection, you want, the, you want to be able to have it all seamless. You don't want to have people on board switching and all that. So we're adopting our technologies to, to automatically switch. You can use that 5G connection and, and, and restrict it just for that remote maintenance, or you can have it as a backup when the vessel loses a SATCOM connection, or you can have a double up, this link aggregation where you take all that connection, the, the 5G and the SATCOM, put it together and double up your bandwidth. So that's the important part is to make sure that you use that connection properly and you, you, you have that multi-WAN failover, link aggregation, whatever you want. So connectivity is always gonna be a most important part. And I won't, I will mention it, but we won't talk about it, uh, autonomous vessels. When we get there, if we get there, connectivity is gonna be the key element, right? As soon as that vessel goes offline, it's in the dock. It will have buffers, but connectivity is gonna play a role. The last element I will mention is IT infrastructure. Again, one of our biggest focuses today is, is retrofitting vessels. We're doing uh, over 50 vessels a month, retrofitting them with data centers, full rebuild, even because of the IMO regulation, we're just re replacing computers all the time to Windows 10. But it's more important on the planning side to make sure that your, your vessel's got the right infrastructure, because again, this is the backbone. Without the right infrastructure, you can't segregate your networks, you fall uh, out of compliance because this network is not, uh, is contacting that one. So, the IT infrastructure is absolutely essential. And it's really, really a big part of the planning. And a little bit harder to implement on the older vessels because you know running cable on a, on a which is a small element, running cable on an old vessel is quite, is, is, is quite a task. So the planning for the IT is, is, is for me the, 
the third element that I'd like to mention and extremely important. Okay, Peter Michael, thank you very much. Um, so we will have questions. I will have some questions afterwards. I mean, uh, not only to you, Peter Michael, but I mean to, to all the participants. Um, so the next question is for, um, is for Petros. Um, Petros, can you provide some cases where you see these, these elements will take effect? Thank you very much for uh, uh, the invitation and uh, it's a pleasure to be here uh, with all of you. Um, uh, Peter mentioned before uh, three um, elements, uh, just to summarize. Uh, he mentioned planning, um, connectivity and IT infrastructure. Uh, indeed, um, all of them are very, very critical and very, very important. And actually, um, I believe these are the uh, foundation uh, for uh, the digital transformation in our uh, industry. Uh, for sure, we need uh, uh, super fast connectivity. Uh, we need uh, a powerful IT infrastructure because these are the, the key elements in order to get data from SIPs. And uh, that, that was the, uh, the issue until recently where the, all the decision making, let's say, uh, was made mainly on board SIPs, uh, where we could not get data from SIPs. Uh, and uh, the, the, transfer, the transfer of data or Azure was taking a lot of time. Now with all this uh, infrastructure and connectivity and uh, the new technologies, uh, we can have real data uh, on our hands, uh, making us very, very, uh, um, uh, uh, making, make, making us very, um, let's say, uh, uh, making decisions at the right time uh, with no delays. And uh, of course, we need all these elements in order to uh, apply uh, new technologies uh, on board ships and in the industry in general that will disrupt the way things are done. Um, for example, um, uh, just to give an example from our side, uh, we are uh, collecting data from ships through uh, electronic logbooks, which is only a small part uh, of uh, the infrastructure that uh, we provide and the systems we provide and we apply on board ships. But uh, moving towards and moving forward, um, we have uh, data algorithms uh, in order to provide um, uh, companies with uh, efficient screening. Uh, we provide um, uh, nice graphs, let's say, and statistics for database decision making, which was not the key, um, which was not the case, uh, let's say, 20 years ago. And of course, um, uh, analyzing all this data that we get at the moment from SIPs, we can provide a multi-level prevention system. And this is again very, very important because the people are sore at the company. Uh, they feel now confident that they get the, the right data at the right time, in real time, actually. And uh, just to give you another example, um, uh, we are running a, a pilot uh, project at the moment um, uh, with the Cypriot uh, Deputy Shipping Ministry, uh, uh, with a project that has been uh, uh, funded by EU as well. And we have the great support by the minister and we are very, very thankful for the last two years and the great support that we get from the people and the, no and the knowledge that they provide us. Uh, 
in order to uh, disrupt the way uh, policy control officers, for example, are getting data uh, from SIPs. So instead of having um, uh, people on board uh, setting records, uh, certificates, data, drills, something which is uh, subject to inspection by all third parties going on board, we have uh, a nice system where the policy control officers now check the data remotely without being even the SIP at port. And this saves time. Uh, we do not disrupt the seafarers from their daily work because at the end of the day, uh, seafarers, their main responsibility is to get the ship from, from point A to point B in a safe manner. Um, we are trying to reduce administrative burden. We are trying to reduce bureaucracy. And uh, um, of course, we need infrastructure, as I said before. And this is uh, one of the challenges that we are facing at the moment. But we believe with the great support of uh, the ministry in Cyprus who have a vision there, and uh, we share the same vision with all the Cypriot companies. Uh, we feel that uh, we will introduce soon a new system uh, that will uh, uh, surprise positively the, the industry. Okay, Petros, um, thank you very much. So um, I think we still have some, um, some time left. So um, um, then I have actually a question for both um, um, Petros and Peter Michael. So, I mean, can you tell us what you think will further drive the digital transformation for the maritime, for the maritime sector and what is coming towards us? What can we expect? Petros, I'll, I'll start if you don't mind. Uh, look, I think uh, I think Leo, uh, the, the the low orbit satellites, is really going to become something uh, interesting in, in in maritime. So I dare mention Starlink, Elon Musk's SpaceX uh, project is going to be very interesting, and it's going to really shift the way things, how satellite communication is 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 provided to vessels. Um, you're talking about extremely low latency, high bandwidth, low costs, which is gonna disrupt our industry's satcoms. So I'm really looking forward to it because it's always bringing competition into an industry is always a very, very healthy thing. Um, they're not maritime, they're not getting, they don't have the approval yet. They and I don't think uh, Elon Musk's interest right now is directly focused on maritime, but he has applied to, to, to enter the, the maritime. So that does mean that there is an interest uh, there, but it's just not yet justified fully. And it doesn't need to. So it's going to be, uh, I think, very, very interesting when, when, when they start penetrating that, uh, our market and, and very healthy for ship owners, ship managers, because I think it will reduce uh, SATCOM costs a lot. And uh, the large organizations that have got big infrastructures, that have got uh, non-agile infrastructures, will be forced to, to make a move and to, to be more agile. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that and I'll pass it over to Pedro if he has anything else to add. <laughs> well, well um, I will try to be short. Um, I, I, I believe that um, uh, for sure uh, the technology uh, will bring uh, new professions uh, in surface. Um, I believe that uh, uh, crew, crew will still exist uh, either on board or ashore but perhaps with uh, different synthesis, uh, 
perhaps we will see more um, uh, people uh, specialized in automations rather than an AB or Euler, for example. But still, there will be a crew, I believe, uh, somewhere in a data center ashore. And uh, I, th I think, in my opinion, we, uh, the day uh, is not far away where we will see at port uh, a floating IKEA coming in. And uh, we will be going uh, there to get our stuff. And SIPs uh, will be uh, treated like a um, logistics center. Okay, well, I mean, Peter Michael, I mean, what you said about um, Elon Musk, uh, I mean, now applying for the maritime industry and then um, listening to Petros talking about unmanned vessels, I mean, going to the ocean, I made here a comment. So according to Elon Musk, space is less complicated than the sea. So I'm pretty sure that seafarers will continue to be necessary on board of ships, if I'm not, not mistaken, yeah? So, um, yeah, yeah, I think I think the the, the unmanned vessel is is, yeah. is a long if 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 it's happening, it's a long ways. You know better with the operations that are needed on board. So, yeah, you know, ships are built to the very high standard, but things are always going wrong. Unfortunately, you know, I mean, it happens to all of us. Yeah. Um, yeah, just one point thing to remember is that when we think of an autonomous vessel, an unmanned vessel. Is Something is happening. Somebody. Sorry, did I lose? Okay, can we continue, uh, Nicolas? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, okay. So, Peter, sorry, I mean, something, there was a technical, um, there was a problem with connectivity. Yes, yeah, so that was my uh, Bluetooth disconnect. Am I back online? Okay. So um, let's move on. Then I have a question for uh, Constantinus, um, Philip, and, um, and Michaela. So, what do you consider the biggest threat today for smart connected ships, and how are class societies helping ships owners to mitigate to, to mitigate those risks? Uh, thank you, Erwin. Uh, well, I think the biggest threat that uh, we're facing today uh, with the evolution of smart connected ships. Uh, are cyber attacks. Uh, everybody in the panel has discussed about uh, data acquisition and data transfer about systems being online. So uh, you can imagine critical navigational equipment like the uh, GPS, your AIS or your EGDIS, and even the uh, maintenance system, PMS, and the condition-based maintenance system that we uh, mentioned before. Uh, these systems uh, being online can be corrupted uh, or can they can even be hijacked uh, and of course this will have uh, serious consequences uh, for the safety of the crew and uh, not to mention if we talk uh, further in the future about uh, autonomous shipping uh, imagine an autonomous ship being uh, hijacked and so that would be uh, quite dangerous so cyber attacks uh, i think are the number one threat right now uh, so we need to manage the cyber risk and um, I believe that if we um, take it on a, from a high level uh, standpoint, there are three uh, main issues that we need to consider. First of all, we need to, uh, to identify the right level of protection for the specific ship uh, that we have because 
uh, you know, IMO's regulations uh, are a bit generic. They apply to all connected assets, but there's no one size fits all in cyber protection. So uh, determining an asset specific or a ship specific in our case, uh, cyber management strategy uh, is key to, to limiting the cost and also uh, having the right uh, safety measures and the right uh, safety level for the vessel. And normally that should be done, uh, should be achieved uh, without even a specific cyber team because not all shipping companies have such dedicated teams. And uh, the third point is that uh, we need to ensure that uh, cybersecurity is maintained for all uh, key stakeholders. So um, as you know, cybersecurity introduces uh, new stakeholders in the ecosystem. So you have cyber solution providers, IT consultants, uh, and so on, uh, which and uh, they, uh, they share um, data, sensitive data uh, through connected systems, and they may, uh, the kit should be secured in accordance to the IMO. Uh, so we need uh, to, to be careful and class societies are able to, to provide all the support needed for these main points, both. Uh, we have dedicated rules, uh, dedicated notations. We're able to help uh, ship owners uh, develop this uh, required uh, robust uh, cyber management strategy. Thank you. Okay, so Michaela, uh, because we are running out of time, one minute. Okay, so of course I agree with what Constantin said. I'd like to add that uh, we are also seeing the cyber insurance side. So of course, in order to, uh, let's say, cope with uh, cybersecurity breaches, problems, and so on, it's also possible to consider and we expect to grow uh, the cost of a cyber insurance. So uh, that's something that Constantinus hasn't uh, considered, but uh, I'd, it, uh, I'd like to add, sorry. <laughs> thank, thank you very much, uh, Michaela. Philip, one minute. Yeah, thanks. Uh, just talk quickly about uh, digital systems being proven. Um, today's maybe done by demonstration of function. Um, and what we want to do is obviously expand on this to include verification and validation uh, with sort of a detailed pass and fail criteria. So just to give an example, in the physical world of engineering, you have a design of concept, you, you demonstrate that it meets a, a certain criteria regulations. Uh, and then you test it to see if it performs as, you, as intended, and you continue to monitor that um, piece of equipment or structural section uh, throughout its life cycle in the form of a survey regime. And there needs to be something equivalent of that in the digital world. Um, digital systems are, are being proven today by demonstration. Um, so we're working with our partners to develop more complex functional requirements in, in these digital systems. Okay, Philip, uh, thank you very much. So I have the last question for Oleg. Um, so, um, oh, so Oleg, um, for, from a ship owner perspective, um, are there any other aspects of ship operations you can uh, raise in connection to digitalization? Yeah, thank you, Erwin. I will go quickly because lack of time, but what I would like to mention things like uh, demand for a crew mobile application. This is to assist our crew for more, more efficiently and more enjoyable way to manage uh, employment. 
This application should have a range of features such as crewing and travel solutions, latest company bulletin alert circulation, crew application, crew documents, training, etc. Another thing, uh, remote technical assistance. Of course, uh, uh, all owners are doing uh, such a feature with uh, key suppliers, but this is, uh, of course, our future. And our main contractor of machinery have nowadays the possibility to connect remotely to the onboard equipment and make adjustment when needed, control the vessel performance, equipment performance, make uh, troubleshooting, make adjustment, and all of that is remotely. That's uh, what we expand uh, further on. Um, as already mentioned again here, eventually the key point of any initiative in automation is process to ensure master no longer spend plenty time of time for manual input of data. Petros mentioned this about uh, port activity monitoring and we know about initiative in Rotterdam on Bain trial. This is always on board system in general always on board system enables captain to save up to 90 percent of his or her valuable time when filling a pre-arrival forms when entering a port consequently the captain can focus on his main job navigation and safety so in short AOB reduce the administrative bargain on board by simplifying the port call administration to ensure the efficient data flow during a port call Remote class surveys was uh, discussed, I think, already enough. I just mentioned we still appreciate uh, the different way of communication with all class society just now because so easy we can have, we can invite a global network of experts from any of classification society. We can uh, invite whoever the key person in the headquarter of any classification society. But he just mentioned, uh, obviously, still uh, survey may not be so simple and we cannot do 100% uh, remotely. So in particular cases, of course, we need combination of physical attendance and remote uh, survey. And the uh, last but not least, I still will mention that we already touched upon uh, about remote survey that uh, we have uh, such way we reduce carbon footprints through this through less travel we discuss uh, uh, between panelists as well so it is important that uh, all this travel to restricted area reduced now if we can have lower risk uh, from getting personnel to the work site which is maybe not the uh, the most convenient place in the world and uh, some kind of even dangerous locations so uh, remote class survey is something we already succeed a lot, but it's way forward anyway. Uh, thanks a lot. I, I will stop on the stage. Okay, thank you, Oleg. Well, I mean, I made here some questions. I have 17 questions. I will reduce it to two. So um, um, I have one, one question for you, Oleg. I mean, you, you were mentioning uh, about benchmarking um, your, your data. Um, are you benchmarking also with the rest of the industry? And... When you're doing so, I mean, do you think the data is reliable? Because I, I mean, we're doing the same here also. I mean, you know, I mean, in, in our company, and I often find that the data is not really reliable. You know, I mean, even coming from, 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 let's say, qualified and serious providers. Yeah. So benchmarking is still not an easy task, and, and I think a lot can be improved over there. I mean, what is your view on that, Dominic? Uh, 
ship owners, so-called float, very much keen on benchmarking, very much. They use whatever opportunity to do benchmarking. We have this Boston Consulting Group, you know, this, uh, these guys uh, who are experts in benchmarking. We invite them basically every year and make a, a consultancy in different area from technical performance, current performance. Uh, I understood what you said about uh, uh, reliability of data provided by other owners. And, but I think this is maybe natural for the starting point. But I think eventually we're living in such a transparent world that it, basically all of us, we prefer to provide real data for real improvement rather than make things complicated with uh, uh, wrong data or not well collected data. So I think we're moving in a direction uh, where benchmarking is going to be much more reliable, much more important, much more practical. And as I said, SoConflot, we have a lot of experience and we're so, so keen to continue with benchmarking. Of course, we use things like Intertanko, Intermanager, uh, whatever area for benchmarking, we're happy to participate. And, and I think benchmarking is one of the future uh, line of development of ship owner and ship managers uh, anyway. Yeah, I do agree with that. I mean, we're also uh, very keen on benchmarking, but then again, the reliability of data is is sometimes yeah, it's, it's, you know, still, it's still issue, but, yeah. but it's in my opinion. Okay, then uh, Michaela, I have a question for you. I mean, um, with regards to um, what is your view on how how are the flags in generally coping with the new digital era? I mean, how do you see it? And 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 Philip or Constantinos, uh, um, if you want to add on that, please do do so as well. Yeah. Afterwards, yeah. yeah um for sure, there are some flags that are much more advanced than the others. Uh, for example, in terms of remote inspections or with electronic law books, we've seen that Liberia is one of the flags. It's pretty advanced. Uh, but actually, um, I see that they are uh, quite, let's say, of course, cautious of what we are developing. We have to ensure that what we are doing is safe of a ship, it ensures the same reliability of information and the same compliance. So for example, again, for the electronic lab books, going through uh, the approval of every individual flag, every flag has its own requirements, uh, but uh, uh, they're, in my opinion, from what I've seen, they're all keen to, to move, even if uh, little steps to the digital evolution and the digital journey. Okay, Philip, you have any? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it is a competitive market for them as well. And, you know, if, if class societies are, we're all pushing for um, performing remote surveys safely, um, you know, if there's a good technical justification, um, I, I personally haven't seen. It's like micro pay. Sorry? No. And um, yeah, I mean, as well, we've seen sort of a wave of approvals come through for digital uh, certification from, from various flag administrations now. So there's obviously this wave and, and it, I think the flag administrations are, are working well with class societies on that. Okay, thank you, uh, Philip. Constantinos, 
just to add on what uh, Michaela and Philip said uh, about uh, remote surveys. Uh, today, the remote surveys we are performing uh, have a more limited scope, I would say. So we don't go ahead and perform the complete uh, periodical survey, let's say the annual survey. First of all, because there are um, technicalities, technical issues, mainly connectivity. Sometimes it is difficult to, to maintain connectivity um, for the whole period of the survey and even at um, specific areas of the ship, like the engine room uh, or other parts that uh, need to be inspected uh, during an annual survey. Um, and the second reason is uh, there is a reluctancy right now, also from the flags, to, to permit the uh, complete uh, uh, periodical survey. So for every remote survey, we have to uh, ask for the acceptance of the flag. And today we're performing more limited surveys, uh, for example, occasional surveys, or for the scope of um, uh, postponing a periodical survey, which was uh, quite common, especially during the pandemic, that we could not have uh, our own physical attendance. So these periodical surveys needed to be, uh, uh, to be uh, postponed. Okay, Constantinus, thank you very much. Um, Nicolas, uh, I think we have uh, surpassed our time with seven minutes. Uh, yes, we have, but that was a very interesting discussion. So, Erwin, thank you to you and thank you to everybody for a very vibrant and insightful discussion. We have with us uh, George Savliris, who is uh, our conference chairman for a fifth year in a row. And uh, maybe I can make it news breaking that I would like to sign him up for next year as well, so we can continue the uh, tradition. So George, by the way, to all the panelists, a big thank you. Tremendous panel. Uh, and Erwin, thank you, um, especially to you for the, all the coordination. And I'd like to turn it over to George to provide some clo closing remarks for um, the whole forum. Nico, thank you. Um, and I'd like to thank all the panelists. And I'd just like to, on a more colorful note, Nikos Borzonis is a very, very daring man. He's taking a lot of brave risks in terms of having me here for five years and actually suggesting that he'd like me here for the six. It's a great compliment. I would never say no to Nicholas because I enjoy these uh, conferences uh, more than any of the other ones we always attend for the simple reason that I find there's more synergy. I find that there's more sincerity in the way people speak. I don't think that all the speakers which I've heard before today, that I haven't heard anybody who's saying, quote unquote, what he should be saying, but he's saying what they really believe. And I think that's very, very important for conferences because in everyday life, we have to maintain a certain attitude, which is a compliance with our company policy. And sometimes I don't see that we're becoming dishonest, but uh, I find that with childish enthusiasm, which is a tricky mechanism of all these uh, conferences, we, we say things and we, we extrapolate and we have the chance and opportunity of, of expanding on topics, which does nothing more but actually make all of us, and including me, by the way, because I'm still in my learning curve, um, we walk away from here knowing something more than what we knew when we started. During the conference, we've had Vasilis uh, Dimitriadis, uh, who is the uh, minister who actually gave the open remarks. We've covered so many topics with the, with the aspects of turning ship owning based in Cyprus, the reinforcement of Cyprus registry, crew issues, global management issues. Uh, we'll talk about digitalization, 
in the health, we're trying to be modernized and actually getting ourselves to become compliant with 21st century. But one word I'd like to mention is the following. We've all had been, we all talk about transition and being progressive. We've all probably, most of us uh, during this conference, have actually gone through the process of vaccination. But I'd like to remind you that vaccinations we've taken have also been in emergency approval. So effectively, I think to draw a parallel between the process of vaccinating ourselves to protect ourselves for our future and life for our children, in shipping and what we're saying and what we had during the course of the day, I'd like to draw a parallel. Let's, assure, let's just focus on things which can be done within the near future. And I don't think it's very, very wise to go too further afield, although I'm all for the idea of being imaginative, but there are some aspects which have to be left on the back burner so that we can ensure that we actually cover issues and matters which are number one priority. In my personal view, the first priority, and I always mention this, is the human factor. The crews which we are running our ships, we should protect them, look after them, and do everything possible to ensure that their difficult task is more amenable and that they have the confidence in us or the, or the people who are really employing them to ensure that at least they, they, we eliminate or diffuse most of the risks risk and tasks and, and hardship they go through. The second, I think, main issue is what we talked about in the, during the course of the day is environmental issues. Again, we have to ensure that we maintain a pace in the same way as I mentioned that Rome is not built overnight. We have to maintain a process in cooperation with the full synergy with the with regulators, but ensure, ensure that we're holistic in, in our approach to make sure we go step by step and achieve what is achievable, rather what could be a wild guess from having mild figures in the future. I just want to remind you, gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, there's a, there's a summit in Glasgow in November, the decarbonizing and shipping, it's on, on the auspices of carbon, uh, the global carbon levy, COP26. Now, November is around the corner. It's only a few months away. And quite frankly, taking into account what we said today, I think one of the most important issues, besides, as I mentioned, the protecting our crew members and trying to overcome the major hardship that they're going through the, the process of the coronavirus, which seems to be around and will be with us for quite a while, when I gather, we also have to ensure that we maintain a synergy with the uh, Balancing Act, with the, uh, with the regulators, to ensure that we, they can see us being working together to actually work with, with, with an absolute form of cooperation to ensure that we can actually go ahead and achieve what is achievable. And with a reminder that uh, the owners or ship owners are not there who manufacture the ships. They don't actually make the or produce the, or the, the oil from the refineries. They're there to be the end users, the operators of the ships, which are effectively, there has to be a synergy and an input and a very, very substantial input from the ship owning and the, and the engine manufacturers together with the oil companies. Now on that note, I'd just like to again, thank you very, very much for your participation. Uh, on the digital I mean, on digital side, which you just ended up with, I've got a colleague here who reminded me that NYK is now beginning to pay their crew with digital, digital, uh, digital currency. So effectively that's something which is progressive, which shows us that there is there's certain things which are happening and are being quite revolutionary in our day-to-day -day society, in our world. But on the other hand, the idea of talking about unmanned ships is again, ladies and gentlemen, I'll go back to well, old-fashioned mode, I say, in any ship you've got, 
whether you have radars, any kind of navigation equipment, I'd always like to see that, I think invariably, we all want to have a couple of pairs of eyes on the bridge. I think that's something which we can't do without. On that note, Nico, thank you very much. Thank you and you, your team. You've been actually, you made me feel so comfortable for once more, even though, as you know, digital organization is not really my cup of tea. I'm more of a hands-on person who traveling around the world and seeing people face to face. But I'd like to thank you very much. And uh, thank you all for the enthusiasm, your professionalism, and your, the passion which you, which you contribute towards this conference. Have a great evening, and thank you very much. Thank, thank you, thank you. Again, I would like to thank Erwin, uh, Michela, Petros, Costandinos, Philip, Peter, uh, Michael, Oleg. Uh, thank you to all of you. Let's have a great day, the rest of the day, and again, tremendous thanks. Thank you. 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 Thank you.